0: Keisha K.O.R. now and Keisha Dior calls me in excitement and she's like Jude Jude you won't believe you won't believe it I just got off the phone with my accountant he said we've made a million dollars for people that don't know who Keisha Dior is she was creating a cosmetic business at the time called K.O.R. Cosmetics I was filming the documentary for it so when she launched the business we also put out the documentary and in one year 12 months she had made a million dollars in five years, I was still struggling to make twenty thousand a year. And it at that moment, there were two thoughts, two, two ways I could have gone. I could have gone really bitter and it was just like, you know what? This is truth. I don't know what I'm doing. Here's another person who's been doing it less time than me and making a million dollars. Or I've created value for your client. How do what is it? What was the difference between me and her? Why was she able to make a million dollars and I wasn't? And I, took, I decided to take the second route. And I went back and learned marketing and sales. So the first five years were a complete struggle for me. Cause it was just like, yeah, I was hustling, but I didn't really know what I was doing because I didn't understand marketing and sales. I didn't understand the numbers, the economics behind what I was doing.
1: Today we have the one and only. Should I start like a, a comp beat or something or anything <laughs> like that? Nah, I'm playing. We have the one and only Jude Charles, my brother. Yeah. So I know Jude over 10 years. Has to be. Has, over 10 has years be, now. Yeah. Um, I met Jude with Courtney, Amir, a couple good guys in the creative space down in Miami, my brothers. Mm-hmm. And Jude you were still in storytelling. You still were in creating yep. content, yep. you know, and all I knew is I, I left back, came back to Palm Beach, started working. And the next thing you know, I just kept on seeing this guy just constantly excelling. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you ain't playing no game. it that got <laughs> Zoe blood in him or something. <laughs> My brother, thank you for stopping by Jude,
0: man. Thank you for having me, man. It's, it's uh yeah, it's, it's a long journey that we've been on together separately, but together at the same Absolutely. time. And, um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Let's I get into it,
1: man. Yeah. So, Jude, I want you to start from the beginning, of course, how I love to start. Where does it start for you? Born and
0: raised where? Pompano Beach, Florida. So. The other Haiti. The other Haiti. <laughs> the other little Haiti. Right. Um, I am the youngest of 10 children. My dad worked as a construction worker. My mom worked at a chair factory. My parents immigrated here in the um, 80s. My father's in the, my father in the 70s, but my mom came in the 80s. And... Um, that's where it starts for me. I was being the youngest of 10 children. I was always trying to find my voice as a kid. Mm. And so I used to write 100 page books. That's where storytelling begins for me. At eight years old, when I get home from school, I would write 100 page books of what I thought my future life would look like. Do you, and so you have any of those? I still have them. Still have them, and I am so, to buy I was, the to <laughs> I want to buy the rights for them right now. <laughs> and it's surprising what I used to write as, like, because I've gone back to read them, and it surprises me what I used to write about as a kid. Because I would, old were
1: you, around honor,
0: eight years old, and I used to write about what I would like twenty eight, thirty. How old, like, when I get to that age, what I would be doing, what I envisioned doing. Right, right. So like, I wrote a book called "The Police Life of Jew Charles" because that's what I wanted to be growing up as a police officer. Um, I wrote the baseball life of Jude Charles. Um, I had just read the Jackie Robinson story. Wow! And so I was like, okay, what would it be like if I played baseball? All in, in all, I wrote eleven books, and um, that's where storytelling really started for me. Where I and I don't know why why I got so, so at eight
1: years old. You wrote about eleven thousand, well, a ten thousand and a hundred pages. Hundred? No, yeah, I've never calculated 1, it, but pretty much, yeah, I mean, it's still mind blowing to me. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math on it. Like this is yeah. so comfortable, Jude yeah you guys really had nothing to do
0: or you, had a, you know, <laughs> no I had I just wasn't interested like i my friends played video games, played sports outside, you know, playing basketball in the street or whatever. I just wasn't interested in that. I don't you know. know why. Is it that
1: you felt like you wanted to know like your purpose already about, it, or you already felt like you knew it,
0: or probably I think I don't think I knew it, but I do think I was in search of it back then. I didn't know that back then, but like thinking about it now, I think I was in search of where am I going?
1: You so another so adding excuse me adding on to that do you believe you searching for your purpose came from watching your siblings live
0: no doubt no doubt so powerful um this the brother before me is 6 years older than me so oh, yeah. you guys so i'm i'm I the really baby baby yeah so right. i'm i'm watching what my siblings are doing and part of it is I want to do parts of that. The other part is I don't want to do that. Right. But but how do you, I think for me back then, it was like, but well, how do you take control of that? Because you're a kid. You're under your parents' roof. How do you make sense of that? So I'll fast forward real quick to give you an understanding of why I thought of it, why and how I thought about it. 17 years old in a TV production classroom. And at this point, I know, I want to go into broadcasting. It wasn't like running my own company just yet, but broadcasting. I wanted to work at a a news station. And the teacher, Mrs. Donnelly, she was a TV production teacher. She taught me everything she knew about video production. And then at the end of that school year, it was my junior year in high school, and uh, she looked at me. I'll never forget May 4th, 2006. She said, Jude, you're really, really talented at video production. You should start a business. I'm the youngest of 10. My parents are Haitian, so, you know, the next Thing for me was, you go to college. You don't Absolutely. think about starting a business. Right. And on top of that, I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family. Of course, my parents were hustlers. I know the feeling. But not entrepreneurs. And so, um, you know, I didn't take her. I didn't tell her yes or no. I didn't believe it. Like, okay, You didn't I know what be.
1: it looks like. I didn't you know, know
0: what, what it looked it like. like. Following day, May 5th, 2006, Mrs. Donnelly came into the classroom. She handed me a yellow envelope. I was like, "What is this?" And I look inside of this yellow envelope, and inside were my first set of business cards. Goosebumps. It's the only can I, can reason. I buy rise on that <laughs> Let me see that, please. It's the only reason I got started with video production or storytelling in general. But, but I I oh, wanted to fast forward to that story because it's like question: Was this your phone number? It was, yeah.
1: This lady's no joke. It was, buy, can, <laughs>
0: it was my phone number. It was my phone number, the address to my parents' house where I lived. Yeah. And it, but again, it was that search for what do I do next? But I didn't believe, I didn't know how to take control of what I do next. Did it become real when you saw it? Oh, no doubt. It became tangible. Wow. When she told me you could start a business, again, I didn't understand what that meant. But once she gave me that, it was like, oh, that's all I need. Is business, business cards. cards. So let
1: me tell you the funniest thing in the yeah. world. So today, people still believe that's the all moment you need to get a business card. Yeah, it's real. You're officially a CEO. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't even have to even work and earn money at that point. Yeah, I have a set of business cards. Yeah, I used to be so angry when a client asked me because I designed a business card for them. I was like, I doing that first because <laughs> I know what that battery looks like. When yeah. I put this battery pack in your back, yeah, of you getting a set of business cards, you officially are the CEO. You're bigger than Bill Gates at this point. You walk into <laughs> any room and you're giving them a card. Every and that's all I event, used to do.
0: I every event I go to, every person I meet, I'm giving them a business card because that's heard, all I thought I
1: needed. That's all you needed.
0: That's it. That in a in a borrowed video camera.
1: Oh gosh. That's it. <laughs> you could walk any room at that point. But I I want to go back to the culture side because my family actually did the same process where my my father came first. Mm. Why do you believe like our parents do it like in that, in the Haitian culture? You think they? Of course, my, Thanks, Matt. I owe you again. <laughs> Do you believe that they're sending us? They're sending men first
0: to prov, to yeah. put them in position to establish to establish the home, right? Um. So when my father first came, he started working in construction. He had to find a job and start working, right? Um. And I think, I think our culture understood that, right? Mm-hmm. Um. That you send the man first. That he sets up everything and then, because that's exactly what my dad did. I had uh, four sisters in Haiti and he had, once he got established, he sent over for everybody. I was wow. born here. A couple of my brothers were born here in America, mm-hmm. but there were siblings that were already in Haiti that he sent. For, my mom and the siblings that he sent for them. Um, I think it's just, in a, yeah, you establish the home because you know without a home. And that and home isn't because when they first came here, they didn't own a home. Right. But even just having an apartment you establish that and you know that the money's coming in, then you bring you know you, you could take care of your family and then you bring so everyone you, over.
1: Do you believe that was established before that he even left? Like, hey, this is this is our plan. It's a great question. This I think is, it was.
0: I think it was actually not gonna yeah, have that conversation because yeah, 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 yeah. don't talk about anything. <laughs> right.
1: But just the the thought of it, you know, I I wish I could be in that room because my parents did it, what that conversation looked like. Yeah. You know, how important is that trust yeah within the home and you know her trusting him to go. hmm and set up and him, even in a setup process, yeah. Like what was that like for him? You know, yeah. did he did you guys all come back? Well, did your sibling, your your oldest came together, or was it like
0: I think a, they came one by one. Two, so I wasn't born yet when yeah. they came over. Yeah. Okay. Um but I think they came. I'm pretty sure they came one by one. 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 Um and uh but yeah, it was my dad that that signed That's for them. yeah. That's dope. Yeah.
1: So now you're in um growing up in Pompano. What's the lifestyle like in Pompano? What's the I mean, from well you had enough people in your house that you could hang out with, right? Yeah, but yeah. But going outside and popping what that look like? Um, for you? it was
0: it was just one big community. Like for me, so where I grew up is specifically called Kendall Greens. Um, and everybody knew everybody, and it was like I had friends that played outside and did all that, but I didn't do that. Um, you were safe inside. I was inside, and uh, but but the other thing too that we were a big uh, church going community too. And we didn't all go to the same church, but you knew every Sunday your friends were going to church. Absolutely. And so, um, but that's what, it was, I mean, it was, I always tell people like, I I didn't necessarily grow up rich, but I didn't grow up, grow up poor either. And what I mean by that is we didn't have a lot of money, but we also had people that we could depend on in our community. And so for me, that's what Pompano always was. It was, it's home. It always will be. Um, I don't think I could ever really move out of Florida, but it's, it's always just been home for me.
1: So what was it that gave you that identity that it was that, you know, from... Because I know growing up in my hometown, we did count on each other. Like, if my father had a pickup truck. Yeah. So he was the one that lent a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. We know this lady cooked the best rice. Yeah. So she's going to cook everybody. Like, was that the same
0: community? Yeah, it was. Uh, when you said that about the pickup truck, so I used to... When I first started working, it was me and a couple of my friends. And my dad would be the one to pick us up every night. And so, yeah, it, it was just... Everybody depended on everybody. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, this is mine and we're not going to ever talk to you. It was everybody knew. Every, and even up until, because my dad lived in the same house until he passed away. Even until then, like, so my dad passed away at home. And um, people would say, yeah, he was walking. He was walking. How old was he? 74. 74. He was hanging out. Just hanging out. Hanging out. And so, yeah, it's, it's just one big community. And that's what I've always loved about Pompano. It's home. It's home when you in home, not in the sense that your house is there. Home, as in your environment, is there. Everything feels comfortable. It's a safe mm-hmm. place.
1: So then, all right. So now we're in, call it, middle school, high school. Well, you say? You were in, how old were you when, when seventeen? The, when 17, I started, the oh, you're already high school. Yeah. So even like around eight years old, writing the books and the lifestyle you were living in that in that time. How was your brothers and sisters with the support or like watching their younger brother just sit there and write and write
0: and write? They you couldn't mean, understand to, it. They couldn't understand. So the joke always was though that I'd become a lawyer because I wrote so much. But outside of that, they just they couldn't understand why is it that I promise you, Haitian homes are so funny. Lawyer, doctor, <laughs> teacher. Yeah,
1: it's the norm, you it's know. And norm. I have an a African friend, and he always something that's the same. Yeah. type of West yeah. in that 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 culture was like you need attorney, doctor. Yeah, this and like teach
0: that like this or was some your, type of medical field because my or, sisters ended up being the medical field nurses. Yeah. yeah, guaranteed. Yep. Good. What a coincidence! Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so out of high school, now you're um you get inspired. Yep. You had a teacher that put a battery pack on you and told you, "This is it." Yeah. You believed her. What was next for you after that?
0: Trying to figure it out. Um, getting clients. So I remember I used to do like five hundred dollar weddings. Um, Already at seventeen? Oh yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, you was locked but that in wasn't already. a lot of money though I mean no I'm saying you was already you,
1: locked in already know that I'm gonna I'm 17 in high school. I'm already oh yeah, yeah. I did Jews. church
0: events, I did weddings, birthday parties um and I didn't get my big break though until I was 19, and I call it a big break. It wasn't that much money. I mean, it was money, but it wasn't that much money compared to today. It was uh 2018. the city that I live in Pompado Beach was celebrating 100 years. Mm. and they did this um, bid where you had to, you know, they wanted to do a documentary on the 100th anniversary, and I put in my bid for it, $6,000. Let's go back. What's up?
1: How the heck you knew this process of putting in a bid?
0: I was, I guess you could say I was friends with or mentored by one of the commissioners. His name is Ed Phillips, and, um... He had seen me just doing my own thing. He knew that he was always big on, again, Pompano is a community, community town. Yeah. So he was always big on trying to uplift people that were actually doing things in the community. And he saw that I had started this business, video production business, and he was the one that let me know, like, hey, they're getting ready to do this big 100-year anniversary. Find a way to be a part of it. Mm. And he introduced me to the right people, and that's how I ended up finding out they were doing the bid. Um, and so, yeah, I put in my bid, $6,000 at the time. And it was to document what they called early settlers. So people that had came early settler families, people that had came to Pompano beach back in the twenties, thirties and to just understand what it was like back then compared to today. And so, um, that's a real story for you. Oh yeah. That's why I say it was kind of, it was my big break. It was my big break. It, so I went to Lynn university for my freshman year of college and I got that contract at the same time. And I was just like, (laughs) <laughs> There's no way I'm gonna let this contract go away, so I decided to to drop out of college at that point. For so that
1: big six thousand dollars, I'm this school thing is not gonna work
0: out. It's not, and because Lynn was expensive too. Now I got scholarship to go to Lynn, but it was expensive. It was twenty thousand back then. It might be mm-hmm. even much more now, but twenty thousand a year. But um, I got that big break, and I told my family I was like, look, I'm I'm going after this. I'll go back to college. Is what I said. I knew in my mind I was never going back. Right, but. I decided to take on that that project because I wanted to, I knew I was already working in the field. The $500 weddings and stuff like that, they weren't cutting it, but this 6,000, I knew I was going to turn that into something. At least that was what I had in my mind back then. And so, uh, yeah, I took on that big project and 19 years old, spent a whole year, 12 months working on that project.
1: So it was a year project. Now, what's the hurdles you learned in that process?
0: Um, oh, there's a lot. I, I think one of the biggest ones was communication. So I had to manage the interviews with these families. Right. So was there a timeline for you
1: guys to get it done?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget now it might've been nine months that I had to get it done. It was a 12 month contract, but it had to be done in nine months cause they wanted to show it. They wanted to have it ready mm-hmm. to show within the same year, 2018. Um, and yeah, I think the biggest thing was communication with the families. Um, the other thing too is it was a big project that I had never really done before. Um and so I was learning as I went, right? There were mistakes I definitely made. And most of us do in this business. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of mistakes that I made, microphone not being on. Um or not pressing record. <laughs> Matt is record. the mic on right <laughs> now? Just want to make sure. <laughs> or not pressing record when you know. No you memory to... card. Well, no, I was I was filming on tape back then. Oh DV tapes. So this yeah. is 2008. yeah. Mm-hmm. Filming on D V tapes still. Um so it was just a lot. It was a lot to learn. A lot but that learn.
1: that that first contract and that scale, that six thousand dollar number, was that the was that the um, the clarity that you got that there's some money in this business, or did you already knew there is potential to be very successful in this business? I knew there was
0: potential. Them? I don't think I thought of it as big money. I think I thought of it as potential because. I didn't feel like I just, des- not that I didn't deserve it. I didn't feel like I should have got that. I was 19 years So your relationship
1: with money and the whole, everything you were doing, you felt like you weren't skilled enough? Or oh, yeah. Why you think you were? Oh. So I didn't
0: overall, feel like I was skilled. skilled enough. I didn't feel like I was skilled enough or knew what I was doing. Now, in my mind, it was I had to know what I was doing in order to get those kind of projects. Mm-hmm. I've learned later that it's not necessarily the case.
1: It's so all relationships. But it
0: was always like, So when I put in the bid, I remember this vividly. I put in the bid and I I thought to myself, I wasn't going to get it. I did it as an act of, let me at least rehearse and figure out how to do it. Because it was a whole process. You can't, it's not just give them an invoice. It was giving the vision, writing out the vision, tell them exactly how you wanted to execute it. I think there was even an interview process at one point. um, Because this was in partnership with the Pompano Beach uh, Historical Society. And so you had to go before them as well and explain the project. Um, So I didn't think I was going to get it. 19-year-old kid coming to ask for a $6,000 bet. Right? It just didn't, it didn't, for me, it didn't make sense. But once I got it, at that point, it was like, and I still operate in this way today, be a good steward of it. Mm. So, okay, I got it. Now, how do I execute this? It wasn't about the money, I think, back then for me. It was just like, how do I make sure to actually execute this? Because I think growing up as Haitian, it was more embarrassing not to do it right than to just get. You know, to get paid and then Facts. not do it. It was more embarrassing not to do it right, and that was for me. It was like, how do I get this right? But
1: even when you were going through that process, did you have to do LLC? Did you have to do all these things already?
0: Yeah, it was a uh, it was a different company back then. But S Corp is what I was. I had already set that up. when I when Mrs. Donnelly gave me those business cards. I also went and set up the business as well. What do
1: you ask? What do you do? Like, how do you go through that process?
0: Great question. I don't remember to be. Honest, I just you just knew you were impacted. Let me figure
1: it out now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, again, it goes back to being a good steward. It was, Mrs. Dinley believed in me so much that she got me business cards.
1: I got to make it right now.
0: Yeah. And even if I didn't believe, because again, I didn't know what it looked like to be an entrepreneur. Even if I didn't believe, I was going to at least try to line up my ducks and make sure my ducks are in a row. Right. Mm. And so, and luckily I did, because that was a requirement, obviously, with working for the city We're of good. Pompano Beach. You can't just be some random person. It had to right. be a company. Um, and at, that was why, like, I I made sure to always do things the right way um, back then. But it it just ended up all working out in the end for me. So
1: then yeah. what happens after that? So the bid process come. Are you still hustling now? Still doing weddings? Still hustling.
0: A- still hustling, doing weddings, doing birthday parties. I remember I was in a – at one point I had advertised in the Yellow Pages – Back then when the Yellow Pages he, were around. really was grinding. <laughs> and, but because of that, I got a lot of retirement parties. And I didn't like them, but they were good money. But they paid. Paid really well. And um, so, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did that for the first five years, but I was struggling to make money. Mm-hmm. First five years of business, I struggled to make $20,000 a year. And then there was one morning I woke up and I heard the sounds of chains hitting the floor. And it had always been a nightmare to hear these chains hitting the floor. I jumped up out of bed. I went outside and looked at the front window. And what it was was a tow truck driver coming to repossess my car for the second time in eight months. I go back in the room, sit on the bed. And at this point, I'm ready to call it quits Mm -hmm. because maybe my parents are right. Five years in the business. I'm still struggling to make money. I didn't go to college. It's the easiest thing to do. Right. Let me go back to college because that's what my parents wanted me to do. Maybe they were right. I'm the youngest. What do I know? In that moment, I get a phone call from a client I had been working with for a year. Now, this is another one that's my biggest client at this point. Her name was Keisha Dior. She goes by Keisha K.O.R. now. And Keisha Dior calls me in excitement, and she's like, Jude, Jude, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. I just got off the phone with my accountant. He said we made a million dollars. For people that don't know who Keisha Dior is, she was creating a cosmetic business at the time called K.O.R. Cosmetics. I was filming the documentary for it. So when she launched the business... We also put out the documentary. And in one year, 12 months, she had made a million dollars. In five years, I was still struggling to make 20000 a year. And it. at that moment, there were two thoughts, two, two ways I could have gone. I could have gone really bitter and it was just like, you know what? This is truth. I don't know what I'm doing. Here's another person who's been doing it less time than me and making a million dollars. Or... Created value for your client. How do what is it? What was the difference between me and her? Why was she able to make a million dollars and I wasn't? And I took I decided to take the second route. And I went back and learned marketing and sales. So the first five years were a complete struggle for me. Cause it was just like, yeah, I was hustling, but I didn't really know what I was doing because I didn't understand marketing and sales. I didn't understand the numbers, the economics behind what I was doing. But once I saw Keisha was able to make one million dollars from it, I was like, okay, this is there's something big here, and for context, so I told you, see, the Pompano Beach was six thousand. Keisha's project was only three thousand dollars, right? So there was this numbers game that I really didn't understand back then. The amount of work and the value that I put into the work that I'm doing mm-hmm. that completely transformed after that. What was it? What was it
1: that 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 transformed? You believe because you went from the bid for six thousand, but three
0: thousand with Keisha.
1: What made you accept?
0: Keisha was. It was half the time, so it was six months that I was filming her. What made me accept it is it was actually the kind of work I wanted to do. So Keisha came and to also me. sorry to go before yeah. that.
1: How did you even come up with the numbers and a bit of like charging that? It's a number. It was just a number. That's what we do when we first start in this business. We just throw whatever. It's we just feel a number. Like.
0: It wasn't even like looking at what other production companies were doing. Right. It was just what
1: you thought you were valued at.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And so I. I remember, but when Keisha came to me, I remember her coming to me saying she wanted to do vlog videos because that was- That was the hottest time, thing there. Right? And uh, I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do documentaries. And so I pitched her an idea on doing a documentary. And wow. she agreed to it. So again, it wasn't about the money. It was more like, oh wait, someone believe in the way that I actually want to do important. something. That was more important to me because I had never, it was always my dream to do documentaries. By that point, it was my dream because- I love real stories. I didn't want to do movies or music videos or anything like that. I wanted to do real stories, and I knew documentaries was that. It's my favorite. And so um, when she agreed, it was just like that's all I cared about. It wasn't whether or not I was making enough money or should I be charging her more. We did have an agreement though that we started at three thousand and that we would every time we renew the contract we would increase the rate, and she did do that. We worked together for three years. But again, it wasn't about the money for me. It was just like, I need to get this right.
1: So let me tell you in that process how, and I never even spoke with you about this, that documentary impacted everything I'd done after that.
0: Okay. I didn't know that. Nobody ever (laughs) Why is that? that?
1: I watched someone that I knew that was in the mud get to create for somebody that, Create a million dollars less than a year. Yeah. And that was the whole time where Gucci, you know, I'm from hip hop. So the whole yeah, Gucci yeah. and it was people that I could, like, I, like I know these, like, yeah. I see this often. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that's Jew doing this. <laughs> yeah. So I used to literally tell people, like, I know the guy that did this. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I know the guy that did this. Yeah, and yeah. for me, of course, us as Haitians, and I think a lot of people don't know this, like, when we find out another Haitian oh, did something,
0: yeah, no
1: doubt, it does something to us yeah. where we like, <laughs> it feels good, so yeah. I think it did so much for me that I never, like I said, I'm getting a chance and honor to share that, to, you know, to say that to you. But that impacted my company. Yeah. It impacted so many things that I did after that because I saw that was attainable. Mm. Because at that point, I was doing a lot of so me and Courtney always did the blog media stuff where yeah. you know end of two hundred three nine hundred five hip hop like we three or five movement. We did a lot of the content, but. I was the creative director with or the businessman that was a creative that was always trying to put us in position and make more money. Yeah, yeah. Whichever our storytelling goes, you know, we yeah. love storytelling, but yeah. we did not know how to manage the equipment. And mm. I'll buy a bunch of equipment and yeah. I never shot. So I was, we will find people that could say they could do it and they tried it for a moment and they quit because. You see the process of being a creative. Yep, yep. So then we found out nine times out of ten most creative hate talking with people. Yes. So we yeah, kept on seeing the science behind it. So we just said, you know what, let's forget the video guy. We're going to focus on the graphics, the mm. web, um, things that we could control, yeah. you know, create an immediate platform. But once we saw the importance of where video was going and we saw you doing it, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, shit, we yeah. can do it. Yeah. We know Jude, <laughs> so if he could do it, we could do it. And it was more for me; it was an empowerment thing, mm-hmm. because like I said, what I saw, Keisha. To this day, I don't care what anybody said. That <laughs> documentary was it for her. Yeah, I be- I truly feel from maybe I paid attention more mm-hmm. after I watched the documentary, and I got a chance to learn more about her. Yeah, and I think that base and that foundation is still, I believe, that one of the most important thing in this industry. Is storytelling. The
0: power of stories. When people get to really know who you are beyond the thing that you're selling. And that's what I focused on more with her documentary. It was like, yes, yeah, she was doing lipstick, but it was really about women empowerment. right? It was really about the day that she went out to the club and she, was, um, she wanted to wear blue lipstick. That's really the origin of that story. She wanted to wear blue lipstick, couldn't find it anywhere. So she created it and then went out to the club and people go back and oh, where can I find that? Where can I find that? And she was like, no, I could start a business from this. Right. But it's that story, knowing about this moment in time. That's what a story is a specific moment in time that made the work that me and her dude did together popular, right? Or made it impactful because it was okay, you got to learn that about her. Then you got to see behind the scenes of her doing a photo shoot. And there's a, sp- a scene specifically, this is years ago, but I remember this scene where she says, um, you know, people, because she's Jamaican, people think she's mm-hmm. a little feisty. And she's like, no, I just know what I want. Right. But again, you're getting to understand the mind of the entrepreneur. Absolutely. That was always a big thing to me is like, I don't want to just see you doing behind. Like vlog, vlog videos is just that. Absolutely. You just see them doing things. I want to get into your mind and understand why the you do the The essence of things. the person. Right. And when you understand the essence of the person, that's what changes everything. And that, even to this day, why I'm still in storytelling is because I want to get deep to understanding the core of who that person is to bring that to life. Absolutely.
1: Right. I, I believe that's the foundation of... I I believe every entrepreneur, every CEO need to start their base on that. That's what we have. We have something that we do in our company, which is the about me video. Right. Who you are, what are you doing and how are you doing it?
0: Yeah.
1: But that who you are is so important for the story. Because a lot of entrepreneurs want to show, like you said, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm the biggest CEO. But who are you? Right. Like, what's your kid? Like, what are you? Was your family? Like, how does it feel? Like, I think the feeling is important because yeah. I believe that's the power of content. Content for me, the reason I locked in was the emotion mm-hmm. of storytelling, yeah. like, the impact, like, the music, like, everything yeah. around storytelling is, I, I believe that's the thing I was telling you about where, when we first started doing this and we were talking behind the scene. when I, when I was working with clients and I started losing the mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. And they didn't produce that feeling that I wanted out of the content. Like I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. want to be at another vlog video. I don't want to be <laughs> another BTS. Yeah. Like what are we doing here? Can right, I, right. I please go home? Yeah. But I want to get back into. You said something I think that was so important. When you realized you were producing value, mm-hmm. you locked in. Like, wh- like what was happening that you realized I'm valuable. I- I'm producing value
0: for people. Like, I strongly believe it goes back to what Mrs. Donnelly did for me. It was tangible at that point. Keisha, you are making $1 million off of a documentary project. Now it wasn't the only thing that she did at the time, but part of the, part of the equation was that documentary project. It made it tangible that I created this video and then she made $1 million. Like I could, I could equate that to something before I was just doing projects like even city of Pompano beach. Were they happy with the project? Absolutely but it was just a finished project and that's it. I didn't understand that, oh, I could finish a project, but this person continues to make money from this over and over and over and over again. I think the biggest thing I looked at was like uh, music industry. When they create Mm. music, you create it one time, but then over and over you make money from it. The producer makes money from it. The person that wrote it make money from it. The person that performed the music make money from it. That's what I... Seen with or Dior's project. But I also understood it was marketing. Uh, one of the first books I read, uh, Jay Abraham, he has a book called Getting Everything You Can Out of Everything You've Got. And he tells stories over and over of these companies that have transformed the way their business operates, like FedEx, that got the idea of the overnight package from the banking industry. Because banking was, was just doing that. And, or or even Henry Ford, who um, created the first uh, assembly line from the meat industry. And I was like, okay, so there's, how do I illustrate? How do I communicate? You talked about creatives not being able to communicate or wanting to communicate. That was my biggest hurdle, is how do I communicate the vision in a way that gets them to want to pay me more money, to see the value for themselves? I understood a long time ago, once I started learning marketing and sales it was never about me trying to convince someone to work with me as much as trying to show them that they were making the right decision on their own Mm. and so um yeah so once it clicked that okay Keisha's made money from this how do I repeat this now I took a course an online course called earn 1k and the premise behind that course was you learn how to earn your first $1,000 and then if you learn how to do that you repeat it now I had already earned $1,000 but I didn't Earn it the right way, in my opinion. And I didn't know how to repeat it. But this course showed me marketing and sales, how to communicate the value to the client in order to repeat it. And so I think that's what really, like, working on this project with Keisha, it was like, huh, why, why did she decide to give me money and then continue to give me money for two years after that? Um, what was it? Why did people want to watch her work behind the scenes or listen to her talk or be in spite. Like I remember seeing um, people talking about they, they're crying while watching this. I swear to you. And I was just, I didn't, but how do I communicate that to a client for them to understand? Even Keisha cried on part three of her docu-series. We had done a documentary series at that point. And part three, she watched it and cried. And I was just like. I that feeling
1: different. As a but creative. knowing,
0: knowing. It's one thing if you, consciously do it. Okay. But how do you communicate that though? Like that was the biggest thing. How do you communicate that? How do you, how do you communicate that? Um, for me, it's all storytelling, right? So, uh, 2014, I went to a leadership conference and I always knew growing up leadership was important to me. I didn't know how, I didn't know how I would do it, but I knew it was important. And This leadership conference was in Spokane, Washington, right? So Spokane, Washington. Who who knows where that's at, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's in Washington State, which is is the furthest northwest point of America. I live in Florida, the furthest southeast point. And I have this- One
1: second, because I want you to explain it, because your friends in Pompano right now, when they watch, they're not going to know where (laughs) Spokane, Washington is. I just want to let you know that.
0: It's it's further than California. It's further than- um, North. Just all the way north and then west. And it's cold. And it's cold.
1: It rains a lot.
0: So I go to Spokane, Washington. I have this crazy idea when I'm coming back from Spokane, Washington, that I would take a Greyhound bus back home. <laughs> I'm 25 years old. I've gone to this leadership conference that I feel like is, it's amazing. And I want to take it back in. It's a three day bus trip though. But I, I and I, I said to myself, this is never going to happen again. So let me just do it. Right. Right. No, that's not going to happen again. I turn off my phone. I'm trying to enjoy the trip by day two. I'm miserable completely miserable. I turned my phone back on. We get to Chicago, I turn my phone back on and I get this text message from my sister. She said, call me back, it's urgent. Now, this is July 2014. My mother had been diagnosed with depression and had attempted suicide. My father um, was diagnosed with prostate cancer three months before that. Called my sister back, unfortunately, ends up being dad. They found him unresponsive in the home. You f- who
1: Your mother was unresponsive? My
0: father, father was father, unresponsive yeah. in the home. So I get on the first flight back home from Chicago, Illinois, to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My brother comes to pick me up. He comes with uh, his daughter, my niece, Ayana. I hug my brother. I don't say a word. I hug my niece. We don't say a word. But I sit in the back seat with my niece, Ayana. She's like nine years old at this time. And I'm staring out in space because I'm 25 years old. I'm the youngest of 10. My father would never see me get married or have children. And I never imagined I would lose him. Because even when he got diagnosed, we didn't think it was that bad. He's, I took a, he's a superhero. He's, he's a Haitian man. Right. So um, I am staring off in space. And my niece Ayana says to me, she said, Uncle, why did Grandpa have to die? And I just stared at her. Can't wait to hear the answer. And she said it again. Why did grandpa have to die? Question rang in my ear as we we're making funeral arrangements, deciding what to do with the assets. Um, and then on August 9th, 2014, I'll never forget it. I'll, I, Jude Charles, the youngest of 10 children, am tasked with giving my father's eulogy. And it's in that moment that I realize. Leadership wasn't just important, it was leading through difficult moments. I had discovered my purpose. i tell you that long, drawn-out story right now because that is the story I open with when I first meet with clients. And the way that I normally end it is I say to them, I am here because we are doing a, We usually do a consulting session, a mapping consulting session. I say, I'm, I'm not here to tell you how to do video or even how to tell your story. I'm just here to lead you through this process. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to ask you questions you've probably never been asked before. You're going to feel uncomfortable, but I know what it's like to be in that place and I'm going to lead you through it the same way I did back in 2014. So you ask me, okay, how do you get, how do you transfer emotion? How do you get someone to, how do you communicate the value that you really bring? It goes back to what you said. Emotion. So I'm to sign the contract. <laughs> exactly. It goes back to emotion, right? You tell stories. You figure it out. Because I can tell you statements all day long. So my mission and vision in life is to lead lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. But that's just a statement. Because I wrapped it into a story, it gives you a clear understanding and a clear picture of what that looks like. That the most difficult moment in my life, 25 years old, where I lose the patriarch of our family, I not only have to go through losing him, but then telling his story and the legacy that he leaves behind and then leading my family through that process. I can't communicate what it means to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage unless I tell you that story. Right. Mm. And so that's what I learned probably a little bit after work. Cause even the Mrs. Donnelly story, I didn't share that story. When it, when, when Keisha and I first worked together or any client that I met around that time, I didn't share the story of how did I even get started? What is my story? I never used to do that. Now I incorporate stories, whether it's my own or my client's stories and everything that I do.
1: I think the power of storytelling at the, And just the experience I just had with you I was so connected to that story mm-hmm. Like I was in the back seat With you and your niece Like I was waiting to hear What you were going to tell her
0: Yeah
1: Like And I still was waiting Like the whole time Like what does he <laughs> tell her It just shows I mean I, I get it I'm getting so excited About this process Because A couple things with that Could Do you believe You would have learned That skill trait Going to school That's a great question Probably not
0: I learned it through experience I
1: think And I and that's the point I didn't go to school for this either mm-hmm. You know I'm a two time college dropout mm. I tried twice And was like this is not making any sense <laughs> Yeah Um Nothing against college, nothing against, you know, that process. I think everybody, like, I wish at time I went to school because of the structure, the foundation. Mm -hmm. A lot of things in that, you know, that I believe school brings. But education is a thing that I believe we don't stop learning. Yeah. Um, But just the way you connect with a client at that point, because I'm sitting here like if I'm a client, like I'm. I'm authentically connected with mm-hmm. you and I want to know more and I want to be able to express myself or telling my story the same way, but I need support with that. Right. I need yeah. the guidance. I need the tools around me to actually execute that. Yeah. And the way you presented that, it made me feel like I could trust him doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, even with me working with clients and I think I've grown from doing that myself where the clients that I service, I really want to be part of their life. Right. Right. It's really an intimate but thing for me. But take a simple
0: statement like that. I want to be part of your life. How do you even communicate that? How do, you, how do you tell me a story and show me at the same time I want to be part of your life? Like right now, think through that. How do you do that? Well,
1: So for me, I don't know if I have all the right words to articulate correctly on how, but I'm just experimenting. Like I'm thinking to myself right now, when it comes to servicing a client, it's so important for me to understand their purpose. Mm, Yeah. Like, what are you here to do? How are you going to impact? Like, like why are you really here? Mm -hmm. You know, are we just shooting to fulfill your ego issue? Like, what is it that we, and nine times out of 10, I believe the great ones really have a purpose. Yeah. You know, and once you're able to cast the authenticity and the purpose behind what they do, we then could create the best content. Yeah. But if we don't meet in that posi- in, in that middle, we're not going to be able to execute correctly.
0: You ever um, worked with a client who who gave you the feeling like you were like this is the right client to work with because they had purpose. I think majority of my clients today. But give me one. Give me one client that just that wows you. They're not that and and. For your Clients that may be watching this isn't the best client, yeah. I right? gotta be this careful, isn't with Dad, one, like, but, like, mm. but who's who comes to mind when you think of a client? That's let me walking just go back
1: practice. to recent clients. So, so we have a senator that we just did a camp, we've done a, a lot of campaign work for, yeah. Um, a lot of content creation. Me and that senator sat in a board together 10 years ago mm. at the board at the IMC. I can't, damn, I can't remember which organ. The, not the YMCA Not the boys and girls club. So give me one more Kiwanis not Kiwanis Not Kiwanis. uh I'm not gonna figure it out But it was like the Big w- brothers big sisters No No, uh, okay. It might be um The burgundy Um, <laughs> I can't <laughs> brand remember Brand colors Yeah, <laughs> yeah brand, I know brand color. That's my issue Like it goes That's okay. a science in my head So we sat on a board together And I And I And he He started small He started working in the community yeah. Putting in the work He then started um, running for office and a small, you know, state representative, you know, all all these positions. And when I got a chance to sit with him, I actually interviewed him in a podcast. So the more I got a chance to connect with him humanly. Yeah. But we kept on doing other things before and I kept on running into him. And he always was a solid dude. Yeah.
0: But there's a moment where that happened. When did that happen? When did it click, like? No, this guy. I think it clicked
1: because I wanted to do a story on him for free. Okay. Years ago, by just his consistency. So Mm -hmm. I love someone that's committed, consistent. Yeah. Because that's always going to equal up to success. Yeah. So when I saw his commitment and his consistency, I locked in. Yeah. So I created a I created an outlet, a a platform called Good News Riviera Beach, where I wanted to tell good things happening in the city, and I presented this to a group. They were like, "Why are we gonna fund him? We don't want to talk about him." So mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to tell his story yeah. and what he does and how he do it. But I knew the timing wasn't right because I, you know, I'm running around doing a bunch of things. But the perfect timing was when his election, his campaign started. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I really pick and choose who I want to work with. If I truly don't love what you're doing or know you're impacting and know you're bringing value to the world, yeah, it doesn't excite me. I don't want to. I don't want to bring all the resources to you, and you're not gonna really. Utilize it Because once again We all have purpose Like right. I, I love serving Like I love being a servant So mm-hmm. I'm able to work for people mm-hmm. And it was to the point With me building a business When I understand the value I brought to people
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm locked in These yeah. are the things That I want to The reason to activate So I believe Once i realized The authenticity And who he was I And mean, who he is as a person And know that the route He chose as politics mm-hmm. It's really a route that he chose to bring impact to bring value. I never saw him as another politician. Mm. I saw him as someone that took the polit- the political route mm-hmm. to also bring value and impact. You know, I wouldn't choose that route, but I saw what he did. So for me, when creating for him um, to answer that, I just felt it was authentic. Yeah, and I and I knew he wanted. I knew the tools and the resources I've ha- that I have. I could bring value to, to him by letting him express and be who he is and not think about the whole process, how it's going to be delivered.
0: Yeah.
1: Like we're able to cook up. We're able to click. We're mm-hmm. able to do all the things that we do in house, you know, with the, with my team, you know, you know, where we're able to deliver to him. But once I knew it was, he was consistent. He was committed. I know I could lock in with him. So I think one, that's what I look for in clients.
0: But here's how I challenge you with that: It is... There is a very specific moment that happened. Now, you won't know the answer now, Mm -hmm. but it's something to think about that happened that illustrates why he became that client for you. Now, I'll give you a couple moments. It could be you sitting on the board with him and he's fighting for something that Mm -hmm. he wants to happen in the community. It could be once you finish the project and you showed it to him for the first time. And it's a culmination, but it's that day. You sit there, you show it to him, and you realize... Wow, I've really told this man Stuart. I think it's the belief, you know I you know but I th- but take so belief is a word. What I'm challenging you to do is give me the specific day that that word comes to life for you.
1: I believe when we had our probably our second meeting um to discuss his future. Mm. It wasn't just on the political side. It was the overall future of where he wants to be for his family, mm. the whole outlook of what he wants matter to you? be. Why did that matter to you? Because I'm a servant first. Okay. So my tools and resources could get him closer to that. Yeah. So I think the moment, you know, you said something that happened to you with Keisha, um, I think the moment somebody believes you could accomplish the goals that they have and they believe in you, and you could actually get them to that next stage. That's the battery in my back. I know I could bring value to you. Mm. I know I could truly commit because you're committing to your family to do whatever it is that you have to do to get
0: to that point. I could do the same. So we take that day, the second meeting where he's sharing his vision with you. Just hold on to that day for a second. But if you go to me with another client, you say that line that you said, you choose the clients you work with because they got to have purpose. Like that's purpose. so important to you. You transition that into saying that line. You say the line, but you transition it into, um, let me tell you about the day that I worked with this one client. Mm-hmm. And we went and had our second meeting and I'm sitting there listening to him tell me about his vision. and But you take me into that day. The reason why that's so important that specific moment in time is because instead of you just saying the statement, which I think is you should still say it, you bring them into a story that illustrates, hey, if you don't have a vision, that's something you should probably think about. Because that's the clients I work with, they have vision, right? Because um, I'm the same way. So I, the, other thing, the other way you could go about doing it is I believe in core values. And so I have five core values. One of them is depth versus width. And under depth versus width, I have these stories that illustrate what that means. What does it mean for me to have depth? Or what does it mean for my clients to have depth? What does it look like in my business to work in depth, right? Because I only work with five clients a year, video production side. But again, you take me to a very specific moment in time that illustrates that. You asked me you asked me the original question before I told you a story about Spokane, Washington. You asked me, okay, but how do you communicate the value? Instead of just saying how I communicated the value, I told you a whole I walked you into the story that I normally tell right before I work with a client. Right. And so that's, that's the way I would challenge you and all, and all creatives because creatives struggle with that. They struggle with communicating beyond the sentences to really getting deep into this is why the sentence matters. The why is a story.
1: And I, I definitely like, I I needed to hear that because the capacity where we're going right now the whole team and I you know I believe that's the that's mm. that secret sauce mm-hmm. I, you know I needed to hear today um especially for someone that I know yeah that um that that that's in the same you know that's in the same space but that really I genuinely knew when you're in the mud
0: <laughs> you know
1: um to where you are today yeah. where that I believe separates it's another level of creative content. Because like I said, a lot of people I know shoot weddings mm-hmm. and shoot things. But yeah. the ones that truly tell stories really have that niche where they, yeah. I don't have the right words yet, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, it's so powerful. with This conversation that we just had, it did so much for me. yeah. Um, so thank you for that. But I want to go to another part in that story. What made the kid from Pompano that decided to go into film production why why was it important for you to go into these other spaces and to learn about marketing and sales and going into washington and like why and where did you get that from
0: curiosity man i've always been a curious kid uh and i never looked at things just being in a box right so Yeah, going to Spokane, Washington for a leadership conference. I'd never been to Washington State before then, but it was just, why not?
1: Was it information that was given to you,
0: or? Yeah, I'm sure it was probably a friend that, um, gosh, that's a great question, because I'm trying to remember, how did I even find out about the leadership conference? But I was was just, I think it was a friend that told me about it, and he was like, I think you should go to this. Um, Maybe he found it online or something. But I've always just... When I read the book, Getting Everything You Can Out of Everything You've Got, Jay Abraham, at that point, and this is all around the same time that I, um, you know, Keisha had made the million dollars and I'm I'm trying to figure out marketing and sales. At that point, I realized what's going to help me make money is not paying attention to video production. Now, within those first five years, I was paying attention to everybody that were doing projects in video production. Mm Mm-hmm. But I understood at that point how to be an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur doesn't just look at their own industry. They look at other industries in order to to remix it. Right. Um, But I've always been curious, too, though. And I think it was a combination. It was a combination of being curious, knowing like I want to learn about other things and learn how other people are doing. Their projects. Like I take road mapping, for example, road mapping, which is a consulting session that I do with clients. I found through a web design company that was doing these strategy sessions, these mock ups before they ever build the design. And I was like, hmm, I'm already doing this. Like I, I, in our world, it's called treatments, right? Mm-hmm. I was already doing a treatment, but the caveat was they were charging for it. And so I was like, could I charge a client $500 just to do a treatment? We tried it out didn't hurt to try. One thing is I've never been afraid to take risks. And so I tried it. That was 2014. Um, I think it was when I did my very first one at $500. Today, as we're recording this 2022, I charge 17,000 for a road mapping session. But it's always numbers work a little different. Say that again. Those numbers are a little different. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's just being curious. I uh, I love cycling and um i was cycling this one saturday morning deerfield beach which is not too far from where at well it's far it's not far from where i was at at this time (laughs) and uh i'm cycling i hear the sounds of like trumpets this, this music playing and i'm passing deerfield beach high school at this time and uh i can't figure out where it's coming from i have my headphones in but it's not coming from my headphones So I I keep cycling. I get to the back of the stands at Deerfield Beach High. This is a Saturday afternoon. I get to the back of the stands, and there's this kid at the top of the stands playing the trumpet. And it clicked for me. This kid is here on a Saturday afternoon Mm. playing his trumpet as if it's game day. He's rehearsing. In life, we all get the opportunity to play the game that we want to play. And for me, I always looked at how can I challenge the way that I play the game? I brought a book that I wanted to talk about. Um, one of the most influential books of, that I've ever read, Reginald F. Lewis. You know who that is? Reginald F. Lewis formed, he's the first African-American to form a billion-dollar company in America. And he has a book titled, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? It's a biography of his life and how, he's been able to, how he was able to form the billion-dollar business. If I'm honest... That is how I've lived my life. I don't believe in the frame or the box that, is is there racism? Is there um, things that hold us back? Absolutely. But I don't allow that to lead my life. Like, why should white guys have all the fun? There's things that are, we are open. There's things that are available that we are open to that we can learn. And that's what I've always just tried to do is how can I learn more? How can I learn more? This is not, for me, it's never been about a limit. Like I started this business at 17 because a teacher believed in me. She didn't see me as a 17-year-old kid who shouldn't start a business. She saw me as a 17-year-old who was talented. She may not have known a lot about business, but she had the same feeling that most people have. All he needs is business cards, (laughs) right? If we could hold on to that belief, that we can play whatever game we want to play no matter what it looks like that's just that's just how I've always lived my life relentless courage i
1: think that base you know we speak about this often um a couple of people i know that and like you said it's not an excuse we could be all, we could be sensitive about a lot of things that mm-hmm. but our mindset is everything yeah you know if we create a story and we believe it we lock
0: in yeah we're in trouble The most powerful story you could ever tell is the story you tell yourself. It's a fact. So if you really believe that
1: the white man is holding you back and all these things.
0: You'll never try.
1: But I think a lot of those stories are passed down. Oh, for sure. It's a generational thing, you know. Um, A buddy of mine were talking earlier about, you know, some things I probably want to talk about on camera. (laughs) But, you know, the craziest thing Well, well, we kept on connecting that. Oh, their parents told them this. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is like a generational curse. I just keep on getting Mm -hmm. sent down. At some point, you're going to have to change that. You're going to have to make a decision and and get the clarity. Because a lot of people, once they understand the clarity of where they want to go, they know where they need to start. Yep. You know, you knew you wanted to become a successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. First, you knew you wanted to become a great videographer, a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. But then you learn the part of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I've watched so many people in this industry that are super amazing as creative, but they lack entrepreneurship. Yep. Because a creative could stop at three o'clock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: An entrepreneur don't have a time clock. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get the project done. Mm-hmm. That separates the ones that are super successful and the ones that are just get by.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, and
1: I think once you tell yourself, like you knew you wanted the entrepreneurship part, so you went and studied that art of because entrepreneurship is an, oh, it's art. an art. It's an art. It's not something that you just create and put a number behind. It's yeah. an art, and then just you know going to get more information. And the moment you were able to impact yourself with information, you now were able to go in try create, it out, try yeah. it out,
0: yeah, experiment, yeah. you know,
1: and then w- going in that process of getting more information what made you kept on going back to get more and understanding of what else you needed? Like, you know, w- like what, what clarity did you get in that process? Was it more reading? Was it, oh, yeah. you know, failing
0: uh, or what? Both. So reading and failing, experimenting. I, I keep going back to experimenting because it was, even when I didn't believe I could do something, I would try it anyway to prove myself wrong. Right. Or right. And like let's say, I would learn something from a book. I'm like, is that really possible? So I'd try it. So it's really just experimenting over and over um, to see if it could work. I talked about uh, road mapping going from 500 to 17,000. I didn't go there overnight, I kept raising the rate. There was this guy that um, he owned a water repair company, and we did road mapping. I did road mapping for him, $500. But at that time, road mapping was all about doing road mapping so that he could, so the person could move on to the project. Cause that's what it was for me because a project I'd make more money off of a video project, but he didn't move forward. And I went back to him. I had ran into him and I went back to him and I asked him, uh, you know, why didn't you move forward? You said you enjoyed road mapping Why didn't you move forward? He was like, I'm the kind of guy that you put a Mercedes Benz in front of me or you put an Audi in front of me, in front of me I'm going to always choose the Audi. And then he was like, What that means is I'm always going to choose a cheaper option. So I took the road mapping, which road mapping is the storyboard and the vision for the project, and he brought it to another videographer. But it's what he said at the end that helped me understand, again, what value is and how other people see value. He was like, But I'd pay for road mapping again. And I realized <laughs> road mapping on its own was its own product. I was sitting here thinking, Oh, that's just a stepping stone to get them to the project. But he saw it as something valuable by itself. He saw the value in the vision, getting the full roadmap and then taking that to someone else that could just be a technician. Uh, E-Myth talks about that, right? Like there's a difference between an entrepreneur, a manager and a technician. I was still, even at that point, still stuck in tech. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't there yet. But I paid attention to what people said and with the value that they got from what I created for them. Um, Soon as he said that, road mapping went from, I think, $500 to $1,000, went from $1,000 to $3,000. The more people kept giving me feedback of the value that they got from it, there was a client I worked with um, that I'm still working with now. It's been f- three years. When we did road mapping together, I didn't know this when, I fir- when it first happened. We did road mapping. I think at that time she paid $7,000 for it. After our road mapping session, I pitched the project to do the project. Project was a six figure project. She said she wasn't ready for it. Cool. Year later is when we started working together. She came back. We decided to work together. We've been working together ever since. But she said something to me. She said she got the road mapping because uh, it's a PDF in, the, in a pamphlet. She got it. She implemented one of the strategies that I wrote out in the road mapping session that I had told her. It was a throwaway strategy. It really wasn't the main thing. She made $100,000 in 60 days from implementing that strategy. So, what did I do? I recorded a video with her talking about it. We have a case study with her talking about it. And of course, the price of road mapping went up right after that. Mm. Right. So, like, when you ask me, like, why, like, it's just continue to experiment, continue to. That's what entrepreneurship is. Elon Musk. As we're recording this, is recently bought Twitter. Um, and there's a whole drama around that, right? But he put out a tweet, and I was like, this is the point of business, and it's why he is where he is. He put out a tweet, he said, look, Twitter's gonna do a lot of dumb things over the next couple months. But we're gonna keep trying and see what works and what doesn't work.
1: He's already preparing you for the
0: experiments he's about to try. But that's what entrepreneurship is. N- there are things that, yes, you can make a system and you can repeat in business, but there's just certain things that that you got to figure out if it works or not. Right. And I'm grateful that I chose to experiment with roadmapping because I would have never implemented roadmapping or roadmapping again.
1: I'm implementing it
0: tonight because I I do so
1: many other things with clients that I roadmap just freely. Mm -hmm. But I know like there's a project coming up and, you know, and I did years ago, I've did something similar where, you know, we did a, we did a treatment and yeah. I charged for treatments Yeah, because I was pouring in the whole creative yeah. aspect of what we're going to do. And, you know, they stayed because we finalized the project. Um, but I, I want to talk about this part, man. Like I'm, wa- like <laughs> I'm literally in this conversation and it's doing, I'm, I'm, I'm part of audience now.
0: Right. Well, here's, here's, so you asked me, like, how is it that I went after these things? It's exposure. Mm. Right. The fact that I've just exposed you to my own road mapping process, it helps you understand, oh no i gotta I gotta implement this today. So it's Absolutely. exposure, and then that's why I go back to experimenting. If you expose yourself to new things like Spokane, Washington, which I've never been back. <laughs> but if you expose yourself to to new things, you travel, you try new things, it allows you to experiment with other things. You start to make connections that wouldn't have been there before but you got to expose yourself to it first, right? Like, yeah, you're becoming part of the audience because you're being exposed to something new. Absolutely. Right. And again, that's why the words that I choose lead and empower when you're leading someone. So I told you leadership was important to me when I was doing my father's eulogy. Um, I looked up the word lead L E A D because lead leadership and leading was always like this big idea to me. It was like, you're the president or you're the pastor of the church or something like that. Lead, L-E-A-D, when I looked it up, it just just says uh, to guide a group of people along a journey. To guide, right? The only way to guide is to, again, expose them or to have been exposed yourself. You can't take someone somewhere you haven't been yourself. Um, Empower, to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. Empower means I have gifted that to you. You have it, it's now in your power to obtain it. Right? So to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have, you got to obtain it, relentless courage. If I've done my job, you don't need me in your life forever as a leader. You now take that and you can implement it to someone else. Um, for me, that's what I've always seen. is just people that pour or they give or they. there's an abundance mindset that you then transfer to someone else. and But it's, expo- it's exposure, which creates expansion, which cr- you – Continue to experiment.
1: You know, another another part of it What I'm laughing in my head because a friend of mine spoke to me about this a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you know, I think you do these interviews so you can learn.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's
1: like, yeah. what you thought I was doing this <laughs> yeah. I'm just letting you be part of the learning process. Like, you know, because once yeah. again, I know Jews from the mud and yeah. to hear you, this is an art form to you mm-hmm. and just even mm-hmm. listening to you break down the conversation and giving mm-hmm. points mm-hmm. and references to people to understand 2022 we're having this elon musk conversation in this time that's an art skill yeah what are you doing
0: to perfect this to work on this um great question uh i'm always reading first and foremost so i try to read 60 books a year it doesn't always happen but 60 books a year i'm always reading i've noticed in 2014 when i I had i had a hard time reading books back then and i gave myself a challenge read one book a month um for the whole year so that means 12 books I finished reading 14 books. And in that year, that's the only thing I did. No online courses, nothing else. I read 14 books. I increased my income by 40%. So I was like, okay, there's something to this reading. Exposure and information. Right. So reading is always something that I've continued to do since 2014. Um, Is audiobooks okay with that also? Audiobooks is okay. Now, I happen to like physical or digital books, but audiobooks is okay. Um, I think... Again, just continuing to challenge myself, challenge my own assumptions. I have a plan to retire from video production completely, walk away from it. Part of that is to do something I've never done before, which is what Reginald F. Lewis did. I plan to get into private equity. But it's challenging my assumptions. What is a a guy who built a video production business? Why does he and you're going from creative to financial to entrepreneurship, true entrepreneurship? I just continue to challenge my assumptions. Why not? Why can't I? Right. Um, so reading, challenging my assumptions, um, writing. I, uh, the stories that I work, there's stories that I, I know that I like, the story of my father passing. away. I continue to work on those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I have what's called a story bank journal. And so I write out the story. Like there's something, something might happen.
1: Eight-year-old storytelling. Boy. Yeah, it's, I went back to so it. So powerful. I stopped writing
0: for a while, but I went back to it, and I've realized the power in writing, right? It's power um, in writing. And so I, I just continue to. I don't know that because I'm careful with this because there is this in the self-help world. A, for me, there's a difference between self-help and self-leadership. So in the self-help world, there's this idea that you've never really arrived. You're never enough. And I'm careful with how I answer this because it's like, yeah, I I keep challenging myself and I keep growing, but I'm also comfortable with where I am and who I am, right? And so I don't want to put it in a position where it's just like, oh, no, you got to, you don't ever arrive or you don't, you're not, you know, it. it I just think there's, there's Moments in life we do need to stop and celebrate, right? But at the same time, I continue to work on myself and work on things that happen and how I respond to the things that happen. Um, and I continue to challenge, like, is this where I should be? I think a big part of that is my core values. Understanding my mission, getting a, ver- a very clear understanding of your vision of life, vision and mission in life, um, which but I want you
1: to go back to. You said that you have five core values?
0: Five. So depth versus width is number one. Storytelling, obvious. Adventure, which goes back to my curiosity. Freedom, which there are four types of freedom. Time, freedom, location. Client, freedom. I want to choose the clients I work with. And financial freedom. And then the fifth one is relentless. I'm always challenging, am I relentless? Am I being relentless in this moment? Um, and so... With, but with those core values, I write out stories that represent those core values. Uh, the Keisha Dior story is is under relentless. Um, there's a, there's another funny story that happened this past Labor Day, called Sink or Swim. That's under relentless, right? It's actually there's there's another story that's happening right now that I'm still trying to figure out. I wrote a book in February of 2022 called Dramatic Demonstration. Um, Wildly, in my opinion, successful book, right? You know who Russell Brunson is?
1: The name sounds super familiar. Uh,
0: he's the CEO of ClickFunnels. Okay. He purchased a book September 7th. Purchased your book? My book. Which you have right now. Which I have right now. It blew me away, right? Blew me away that... Somehow, someway my book got in front of Russell Brunson. Now, for context, this book is not a cheap book. This book right now sells at one hundred and fifty dollars. By the time you watch this, it might be more. I, I want to buy it before it gets to that point. gotta <laughs> hurry up and get this?: Uh, so it's not a cheap book, right? I am not someone that's. You can look at my social media. I'm not someone that's really well known. But he bought the book. All right, cool. I get a Facebook message from somebody who's at his event. He ends up having uh, his, his uh, Funnel Hacking Live event a couple weeks after that. And the person was like, I hadn't talked to her in a while, but she was like, hey, congratulations on your book. I'm at Russell Brunson's event. Immediately in my mind, it's like, oh, he brought the book on stage. She says um, he did a presentation titled Dramatic Demonstrations. And she was like, if I were you, I would run Facebook ads to the title of your book. So whatever. All right, cool. Now I understand why he bought the book. He was getting ready to do a presentation, or so I thought. I'm a bit of a detective, and so I went and I think the week after Funnel Hacking Live, I went and looked at, okay, I need to see this presentation because I need to understand, did he really bring the book up, or what is it? Russell Brunson is writing a book called Dramatic Demonstration. Same concept. Same idea. And immediately as this is happening, and my mind is defeating because... If anybody knows who Russell Brunson is, he does. I, I don't have the resources that Russell Brunson has. And he's not going to sell it the way that I sell it. He's, it's probably going to be a $20 book or a free plus shipping offer. So it's defeating. This is the context of that. I burnt out in 2020 and I'm still recovering from burnout. And so I'm like, do I want to take on this it's a real fight? It's thing. I've been there. And so it's like, do I want to take on this fight? But when you have those core values, and I, I went and told you all that because when you have the core values, one of the core values is Relentless. In this moment, in this season, how can I be relentless? It doesn't mean that I go and burn myself out again, but is there another way to think about this? Perspective. Um, in all of my life, going back to the Keisha Dior moment, to to even this moment with the Russell Brunson thing, it's perspective. But when you have your core values, the thing that drives you, in my opinion, core values never change. to the day I die, these will be my five core values. When they drive you, um then you're able to question yourself. You're able to lead yourself to where you're really ultimately looking to go.
1: I swear I was just part of the guest again. <laughs> like I was just like, you're right. I want to know more about some of the trainings, some of the, you know, places you travel that actually impact you, that you could share with others that they should look into some of these things.
0: Oh, great question. Um,
1: and I think I want to keep her hearing great questions.
0: Yeah. Every time I hit them, I'm like. No, that's why. really good because I think I went to Black Tech Week. So Black Tech Week used to be here in South Florida. is now in Cincinnati. Um, From
1: um, Felicia and Derek?
0: So Felicia and Derek sold the company to Brian and his wife, which I'm sorry, his wife, because I know them and I can't remember her name right now. But uh, they sold it to them and they wow. took it to Cincinnati. Never knew that. It's it's. I just ran into them two weeks ago. It's uh, in its eighth year, I think. Well, I spoke at Black Tech Week, but I was also, I, I sat there and took in like what people were talking about. So I think Black Tech Week is definitely one because it just exposes you to um, what other people are doing in tech. They talked about private equity, which it was my first time ever going to an event for private equity. Um, expose yourself to conferences. Like there's conferences, you know, as, as a black man, um, I say it all the time to all of my friends. It is still a shock in twenty twenty two to go to these conferences and I'm one of only five, maybe one of 10 i right? You've been there. Conferences. Like, and I get it, some conferences are expensive. Some you have to travel to. But best there's best money so y'all many, ever spend. Best money y'all ever spend. And it's so many that are happening. You don't always have to travel.
1: So I'm gonna give you a conference that I went to. I went to um unleash the power within
0: uh Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My coach today was in my session, was like my part like I love her dearly. Solid person, yeah. amazing, and she's now my coach. Yeah, my business coach, yeah. and I, those conferences have impacted my life in so many ways. Conferences, I think, are the
0: there, there's just no so books are definitely one, but conferences are another, and in a relationship that is
1: built within built, the conferences. Yes, so
0: keep on going. I don't want to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, yet, no, but, I, want, I want to know which
1: conference I yeah, need to yeah, go yeah. into.
0: Um, but no, Black Tech Week affected me a lot this year. Uh, uh Black Professional Summit, which is local as well. Um, I have been to a funnel hacking live. I've been to, uh, uh this has got Jeff Walker's product launch formula. So he has, I think is I forget what the name of his event is, but he wrote a book called product launch formula. And I've been to that event, 2000 person event. Um, I'm trying to think what I've been to in the last, cause you know, we had this pandemic a couple of years, so I haven't been to conferences, but conferences were a big deal for me. I started going to conferences in 20, Six Well, 2014 with the leadership conference, but. um, So
1: two things within the conference is also the fear of doing it, knowing that you need to invest in yourself, all those things like why? And what did you do or how did you get to the point where you know that was important for you to do and to invest in yourself? It's like a, a bunch of questions, impact in one. Uh,
0: you got to know what you want when you go to those things, um, what are you looking for? So I'm an introvert. I'm not necessarily always looking to connect with people. I kind of just want to do my own thing and, but it ends up happening. You sit next to someone they want to talk to you and it ends up happening, which is fine. And I've, and I have gained relationships out of that. So I think the relationships are critical, Um, but you got to know what you want going into it. What is it that you're looking to learn? Are you looking to, for some people, they go to conferences just to get new clients. Cool. Are you looking to listen to a specific speaker to find out how do they do what they do? So like Black Professionals Summit that I went to, I was speaking, but I also knew there was a speaker I wanted to listen to, Pinky Cole. I never, I knew Slutty Vegan and the business that she had created, but I never heard her story and I never really understood how she created the business. Um, I just wanted to sit there and learn. You got to always want to learn. And so the
1: want to learn part is a very important piece. Yeah,
0: I think it. I noticed, although I didn't go to college, I noticed the power of education. And for me, every time that I go, now there's some conferences I go to and I don't learn a thing and I feel like I wasted my time. But there's some that just completely changed the game for me. Product Launch Formula was one of those because I thought differently about how I did marketing because of Product Launch Formula. Um, And so it's just, it, you masterminds I'm, that's I'm sorry. That's a big one. Masterminds going to masterminds, investing in masterminds. I've invested in masterminds that were like 20, I think the most was $25,000 for a mastermind, but there are conversations happening in mastermind groups. That, and sometimes they're very small. It could be 10 people. Other times this one that was 25,000 was about a hundred people, but they're I
1: just did the math.
0: but they are, <laughs> there are deep conversations that are happening that, again, you wouldn't get exposed to unless you were in the room. Um, investing in myself, there's not a dollar I've invested that was wasted. Even if I didn't... If I feel like I didn't learn anything, it but wasn't exposed wasted. exposed to
1: the community. You are exposed to... Yes.
0: Because you said from the beginning, like, you know, you... Ex, once you're
1: exposed and you explore, even going into Washington, it does something for you. Yeah. And I, I believe that's the same thing I want to do with even my family and generations after. Yeah. You know, a lot of... You know, I don't have biological children, but I have, you know, I mean, yeah, you get the picture. I don't (laughs) want to call them stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to put no titles on these things. Um, But what I want to do for my generation after my legacy is to create position where they could be exposed to whatever they want. Yeah. There's no, if you want to learn about Europe, you could actually go into our trust and go into Mm, Europe. Yeah. You know, I want to create funding. Um, I want to create a trust where any business you have, mm-hmm. the trust will invest in. Mm-hmm. The trust will also invest and um, and give you the resources to manage. Mm. So I want to be able to build a trust mm-hmm. that the trust will be able to invest and manage the business with you. Mm. You got to look at it. My in my culture, my Haitian family, mm-hmm. we have amazing hustlers. Yeah, but I'm um, the. Uh, I'm the businessman that's learning processes and system of how I got to where I am, so I want to be able to pass that down generations after me. But I I believe the exposure part is so important that yeah. I want to make sure in my legacy. You, I want you to go on a boat like we have a we have a family boat. <laughs> yeah, that you need to go. That's unheard of. That's unheard of in our culture, especially. You know, but I. I, you know my responsibility and how I how I look at it, and I share with most a lot of friends that I think that's the important piece right now. You know, a lot of us want to leave property and money and tools. Like I want to be able to leave tools and resources to yeah. give exposure because I know what it, I can't unsee things. Yeah, you know I can't unsee hundred thousand. I can't unsee. Mil- I can't unsee.
0: You know what happens when you when you get exposed though? You get frustrated. That's that's the point of not being able to unsee. You get frustrated by knowing that this exists and knowing how simple it is and knowing how simple it can be. Yeah, for sure. That, I promise you the,
1: f- once I realized I could charge a certain amount for consultation.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: like what the, f- like people, I was, that's a week's salary back in it. Like, that slip to,
0: to get paid. So as creatives, we got paid for what we created as in like, You know, I held a video camera. You held a video camera, right? Never, but But I understand what you're saying. To, wait, I'm getting paid for my mind. Let me tell you, I get paid well for my mind. There's a a flip that happens that you realize, because I struggled with this in my career. I struggled with the value of my worth being in me creating videos. Ooh. Versus the Only- value of my worth being me Jude Charles is in the room And he creates the the value Let me tell you That is
1: Because I have know so many people That worked with me In the past couple of years mm-hmm. And I saw what they did after I realized the value of me Yeah So once I realized the value of me I never worry about yeah. Somebody decide to fly
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know it's powerful when we come together and we're able to impact and bring value, you know, overall. Yeah. But once I realized the difference of what I bring to the table and knowing how I see things, yeah. the, the look, the style, the feeling, like once I understood the science of the right music mm-hmm. for a video, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> only very few understand what that looked like. Yeah. You know, like Matt, you know, one of our team members, um, he understand the, the, the music of bop, bop. Very few, like I don't gotta say it Mm -hmm, so you know what mm -hmm, I'm talking mm -hmm. about with the that science. I have never edited a full video, Mm. but I've been in editing room for over 19 years. And I and I understand when I knew the importance of that music of when it falls, the drops, the audio, the intro, the the emotion of that audio piece. Game changer. Yeah. But then when I started realizing, once again, it goes back to exposure. And I, when I first started billing people and charging for my mind, I was like, but I realized I saved them more money and they made more money off of my mind. I was like, oh. Yeah. And then it was like a repetitive thing. Like I was saying the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I could give it out for free. Yeah. They won't even get it. But the moment they pay me for what I've been giving out for free, it doesn't stop. hmm and I, and I think And I know for me Just to hearing your story And knowing what you've been through I understand every dollar Yeah When you went to Washington And in that conference is what you're paying for Right Like I You could pay me And skip several steps Not even I don't want to use a word Like skip steps But Gain more value faster Right Yeah Yeah Because I, I truly believe That's what us creative What we bring to the table is We bring your vision Into reality mm-hmm. But we're also helping you, you know, like with the power of content today, you're able to share your message. You're able to right. put out things, share the content. Now you're getting paid to tell your story. Right. You're getting paid to sit on a phone. The wor- I'm like, I'm in another level right now because social media being um being um um paid, what's that called? Um monetized. Oh, an influencer. Like, yeah, yeah. An, an, Yeah. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. It can't be this easy to make money Mm -hmm. on a platform. Mm -hmm. You literally, you're going to post on social media, anyways. You're already going to do it. So now you actually get paid for it. Yeah. Then I'm watching the amount of money that's being poured into content. (laughs) Yeah. Like I feel like telling everybody in my family, you're only going to go to school for content creation. Mm -hmm. You have to understand what the future looks like. Yeah. And the future is being very clear with us content Mm -hmm. creation. Mm hmm is the most important thing yeah telling your story is
0: I knowing as, how, yeah knowing how to tell a story is like because someone said it to me where it was it was almost like it was one of those damn i wish i would have said that because it's like stories are now assets in the same way that we look at property as assets the same way we they're now digital assets that means you they don't stop growing money from it, yeah. forever you were watching something. that cut you off. You were watching what? So I was watching Dave Chappelle
1: um, this morning, a clip that he did. I don't know if, I what show he was in. Um, and I was just like watching him tell the story.
0: Oh, yeah. He's Dave a masterful, is a, masterful storyteller. Yeah, I'm
1: like, I just want to sit in a room where he could teach me. I just want to be around. Just yeah. sit. How does he come up with this style of communication? The level and the skill Like he's a professional
0: communicator. What's interesting about that. So when I started public speaking, I only started this three years ago, um, like being intentional about it. Comedians like Dave Chappelle have this uh, system process that before they ever do a big stage, like a Madison square garden or whatever, or a Netflix special, they would try out their stories or their, their uh, jokes on very small stages, so like a very small bar or something to perfect it, right? Um, we're in 2022. I've done over 100 podcasts at this point as a guest. And I've taken that so same strategy. Special, <laughs> so I'm not special. So I've taken that same strategy of perfecting the stories, right? Because you talk about Dave, Ch- Dave Chappelle, honestly, like every, for him, every word is intentional, every pause is intentional. Every movement that he makes on stage is intentional because he's tried to master that craft.
1: What does it take to do that? To master a craft?
0: Stewardship. Um, Being a good steward. There's, there's a story in the Bible. I believe it's in Matthew of the master who left. Uh, He was going on a trip and he left uh, money with his servants, three servants. So one he gave 10, the other he gave 5, and the last one he gave 1. And Sorry, 5, 2, and 1. So when he came back, he asked them what they did with the money. The one who had 5 had 10. The one who who doubled it to 10. The one who had uh, 2 doubled it to 4. But the one who had 1, he buried the money. He hid it. I just heard this though. And the master said to him, now the one that 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 multiplied their money he was like great I'm going to give you more money now to be responsible for. The one who only had one said you lazy servant. Being a good steward means that you actually use what you have in your hands right now. You don't complain about it. Um you try to invest it and repurpose it, right? Mastering your craft, you know you have something that's really, that you're passionate about that is a gift from God. One thing that's become very clear to me is the ability to tell stories, the ability to communicate stories is a gift from God. Mm. So it takes you slowing down like a Dave Chappelle to go to the small bars, even though he's got, he's got millions. There's no point in him going to a small hole in the wall. But because he goes in with a vision, a very clear vision that I'm going to master my craft. Um, that's what it's, it's just, it's repetitive. It's re- repetition. Uh, Kobe Bryant. There's a famous story with Kobe Bryant. Um, when he went to go play the Olympics, he called his trainer, um, one of the strength and conditioning trainers at like five o'clock in the morning. And uh, he said, hey, can you just help me with, I don't know what it was. It was some random workout that he wanted to do. Strength and conditioning Coach came, helped him work out, but he left at seven because the coach left at seven because he was like, hey, we got, you know, our actual team practice at 11. I want to make sure and go back and get some sleep. Comes back at 11. He asks Kobe, hey, what time did you leave this morning? I know you were still taking some shots. He was like, leave. He was like, I actually wanted to take 800 shots. No, I I think he asked him, when time did you finish? He was like, finish what? And he was like, uh, Kobe was like, well, I wanted to take 800 shots. So I'm just finishing up. I didn't, I didn't finish. Mind you, this is 11 o'clock when they have the next team practice. Being a good steward is what it takes to master your craft, that you know you really want to get good at this one thing. This is a gift. But the only way to get better at that gift is you keep rehearsing over and over and over and over. The reason I've committed to doing so many podcasts and continue to do them is because there are stories that I tell that I'm crafting over and over and um, there's there's stories that I'm looking at how do I get better at telling the stories how do I pause how do I so I'll, I'll give you behind the scenes when I tell my father's story and no matter where I tell it, if I'm on stage or if I'm doing a podcast well, there's one part of that story that I once slow down and then I lock in and that's the part you probably felt it when my niece asked me why did grandpa have to die
1: I was in the back seat I told you
0: right I slowed down but no matter where i am i find especially if i'm on stage i find one person in the audience and i just lock in and i repeat the question why did grandpa have to die right but that creates an emotion all those things though is because i've practice practice that's it that's all, that's all that's the only way to get better is if you keep practicing if you keep looking at how do i how does how do people respond to it do they respond to it is this actually a good story right have I lost them? Is, are they eyes glazing over? Like, you can tell. You can tell when, when you're telling someone a story and it's just it's not hitting right. I'm just looking at how can I tell that story better. Dude, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't wait to re-watch this when we're editing. I can, like, oh, I'm taking that. Ain't
1: <laughs> we're doing lunch sometime this week or next week on me. I was going to make it on you, but no. Nah, <laughs> no, but I, I'm excited for you, brother. I'm excited for what you're going to impact the world with. Thank you. Um, I don't know you giving up storytelling at some point. I don't know if
0: it makes sense. I'm not giving up storytelling. I'm giving up video production. Video production. That's true. There's a difference. There's a difference.
1: I I love the fact that it's an art to you. It's an art form, you know, and you make me. I'm challenging myself this week. I'm going to sign up for like Toastmaster or something and and really finding because I know it's a gift for me, you Mm -hmm. know, what I do um, and how I do it. It's definitely gifted because I don't I didn't go to school for this. Yeah. Um I've definitely paid for this and mm-hmm. and put in the hours. I'm over the ten thousand hour mark um yeah. that people talk about. I'm well past yeah. that. Um but I, I love this. Mm-hmm. And I know I love sitting around with people I know that I genuinely love what they do. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not working. You're yeah. literally getting up to create. Mm-hmm. And that I I'm believe, walking in
0: purpose. That's that's for me, that's what that's it's heavy. always about. It's walking in purpose. Um that whole idea of leading, an entre- leading and empowering entrepreneurs to have relentless courage, it, if I just one more person a day, that's it. That's all I'm looking for. One more person a day. And you do I'm it in so purpose.
1: many different aspects. Like, it's not just doing their video. Mm-hmm. It's giving out information, pouring into people, creating these, being part of these podcasts. Yep. I think living in that purpose. And another thing I just, you know, I want to finalize with this. Because a lot of people get into different spaces and once they don't get there, they realize, oh, they didn't make the money that they thought they were going to make. Mm -hmm. What made you really just keep on believing and just trusting the process and, you know, that money is going to come with it? Because it doesn't sound like when I hear your story, money was your focus.
0: No. I don't know. Other than...
1: You could still say that was a good question. No, it it really is. That's what I was going for. That's all I'm going for at this point. And you you, actually, I was waiting for you to say it. No, 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 it is. I want you to say it was a good question. It was a
0: it's a great question because there, uh, I strongly believe that God had placed a vision in me that I could not give up. There were times I wanted to give up. It's so easy. Um, There are still times I think about giving up. Um, But what does giving up look like, even for you, though? I'm done with this whole thing Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is hard There's nobody that that, I don't care who you are How much money you make Entrepreneurship is just A complete mind game That you You can't prepare for No Nothing in this world It's not enough reps
1: You could do to prepare For tomorrow in entrepreneurship
0: No And so that's what I I mean just completely Like uh, So I burnt out in 2020 I woke up uh, October 2020 Paralyzed From the neck down Could not move. Now, in 2020, I made the most amount of money I've ever made. In one year. In one full year. But yet, I was burnt out. So, like, when I say giving up, it's much easier to be... To work a nine-to-five. Or to work for someone else. It's much easier. Like, you're much more comfortable. And so, that's what I mean by giving up. But I also know on the other side of that is... Again, I... If I give up, am I being a good steward of the responsibility and the gift that God has given me? Um, It's a challenge. It's a constant battle. Constant battle. Um, But I just, what matters to me more is living on purpose, walking in purpose. And knowing that, again, I'm a good steward of what God has given me. Like, perfecting my stories is because I know it'll be impactful to the person that hears it, right? Um, And I want to create that impact. And I understand that my voice, that the stories that I've been exposed to, the things that I've gone through, it just will help inspire, empower someone else to keep going May of 2022. I have all these small stories because we don't have time for the long stories, but May of 2022, I went to... I was working with a client in Delaware, four of us. It's my team with me. And we're filming with a client in the lobby. She was doing a conference. We're filming in the lobby of this conference center. Um, I'm doing the interview. My other guys are filming. Um, And then they go back to the conference center. I don't know what I was doing, but I walk in later. And my head of production, Jason, looks at me. He says, we just got robbed. Now, we had walked into this conference center with four cameras, ten lenses. There's a person that walked in the room and stole two cameras, eight lenses. Mind you, this is a Thursday. It was a three-day event, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so it's a Thursday. We still got to finish this event. But we're wiped out more than half of the equipment. I... Now, it ends up being about $20,000 worth of equipment, but I am completely unnerved by this because in 16 years of being in video production, I've never even lost a microphone. But someone came in and we found this out later. He had watched us for an hour. He sat in the room and watched us for an hour. Took everything in 13 seconds. But he had targeted us. And that's, it's like, how does this happen? $20,000 worth of equipment. To this day, we're recording this towards the end of 2022. We still haven't found him. Still don't know what happened. Um, but I wanted to quit after that. Because, oh, it's a hell of a gut punch. To Now, did we have insurance? Yes, and all those things. But it's like, it's the violation. It's the, what's the point? More than anything, after burnout, I keep asking myself, what's the point? What's the point? What am I doing? What's the point? If I walk into this interview with Beethoven, what's the point? For me, it just didn't feel worth it anymore. But I understand that story now becomes a part of my repertoire that I now get to tell someone else who might be thinking of quitting. Goes back to the story every time. Goes back to purpose. Mm. The story is a part of that purpose. Um, the story is
1: a tool to constantly develop the purpose of why you're oh, here yeah. and what you're doing.
0: Constantly refining that. It's the stories. It's the stories. Where can to get that story? Dramaticdemonstration.com. It's the title of the book, Dramatic Demonstration. Um,
1: so I've been watching it. I'm hoping that you could turn your head around so I could take it. And you can't find it in the next <laughs> Since 2020 You,
0: you nah, want to get there. the No you want to purchase Because it it's not even It doesn't just come It comes in a whole package It's a whole experience I believe storytelling is an experience as well And so it comes in a whole package Pause um, one second So you know
1: why I'm looking at this And I saw a couple of things That you post about it briefly But just like Oh I see yeah. I'm, I'm So I'm, I'm writing a book Okay And I always tell people I will not sell a book for $19.99 Yeah I have to sell an experience yeah. And I love, like, and of course, I think I'm the first one. <laughs> so, so that's what we do. We believe we're the one yeah, that came yeah. up with this whole thing. Yeah. And to watch your packaging, I love packaging. Yeah. It's one of the things that I love the look. I love the black. I wear black. every, like, Yeah. You're talking in my talk. <laughs> so just the quality, the look, the feel, and the packaging, what you're doing, I'm telling you. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here watching <laughs> me create, like, you. This this is a, this interview means this conversation is so important to me because it, it it constantly keeps on reminding me I'm in the right path. Mm.
0: You yeah. know that just happened to me. Mm. Uh, Black Professional Summit. Uh, I'm on. Where is that being held? At also, I've never Hard Rock. Heard. Hard Rock. That's the one. Oh, I the I one just, that you yeah, yeah, yeah That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the one I just went okay. to. So oh, I, like I heard that before. But I'm sitting on this panel with three other people and so much more accomplished than I am. Mm. Degrees, of course, COO of major corporation.
1: But you know the key thing you said about Mm. that—you're in the same stage.
0: Oh, I didn't see it that way. When the moderator was reading off the bios, I'm like, oh gosh, don't read my bio. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up! (laughs) Because it's just like I don't, I don't hold a candle to these. At least in my mind, that's what I'm thinking, right? Um, but what do I lean on? My stories, and by the end of it. the moderator specifically says, Jude, we're leaving this last question for you because I want you to bring it home. Mm.
1: There's
0: three other people in the room. Much more, and it it is not like, and I don't say that in a cocky way, like, of course, she, I didn't think that would happen. But I lean on, again, it goes back to storytelling. It goes back to, I know the gift that I have, regardless of it, when I walk in the room and I may not feel it, I lean on God and I lean on knowing that he has literally the last 16 years been shaping. Like I was, I was, you may have known me. A lot of people didn't know me thir- like for 13 years. I just did the work. I had my head down and I did the work. Many people didn't know I did Keisha's project. Like, I or never even, saw you or even did for- Steve Harvey's project at one point. Ever knew that. Right. Cause I just, I had my head down doing the work. Mm. But after 13 years, it was a conscious decision to step outside of the shadows and over and over, God keeps reminding me you're right where you need to be, right? And that's what happened to me. Like, you said that, and it just reminded me, of like, that literally just happened three or four days ago as we are recording this. Because um, I left that... It, so here's what happened. I, The lady, the moderator, had me uh, answer the last question. Of course, I dropped the mic and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I handled it, but then... One of my mm-hmm. panelists, she comes to me. She was like, I need to have you on my podcast. And she was like, can you do it tomorrow? This is a Thursday. And she was like, can you do it tomorrow? And that Friday, I had three, four podcasts already lined up. I was like, I can't do it tomorrow. And She was like, well, can you do it in the next hour? We can have it set up. Let's do it in the next hour. Right. You see the face you just made? That's the face I made. But I realized she wasn't going to take no for an answer. That's dope. So... I said, you know what? I can do it the next hour. I was like, I, w- I really want to listen to Pinky Cole because Pinky Cole came up after us. And I was like, I really want to listen to Pinky Cole, but I'll do it as soon as this is over. She gave me the address, 15 minutes away from Hard Rock. And um, on the way there, I just, again, leaning on stories. I have a story bank journal. I have a digital uh, version bank. of it, mm-hmm. right? I have the physical, but I have a digital as well. And I just opened that up and I was like, she gave me the topic. The topic was the stories we tell ourselves. And I just looked at, okay, what stories can I tell around this idea? The stories we tell ourselves. Again, went in the interview, video interview, killed it, right?
1: So let me tell you.
0: God reminded me. Signs in my mind so on fire, but go ahead. God reminded me, you're right where you need to be, right? So you say this conversation is doing it for you. This whole week has, has this last week has done it from where God continues to remind you, you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. So yeah, it, but it's these connections that you make. It's going to these conferences. It's going to be exposed. That will show you you're right where you need to be. Sometimes it'll show you what you need to learn to get to the next step. But other times it'll also remind, you no, you don't need anything. You're right where you need to be right now. I promise you all last week in the past couple of months,
1: I've been getting clarity on your steps are ordered. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, I trust the process so much. I know my steps are ordered. Like, when something happens, like, I already knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you you have to commit to the process. Yeah. And be okay whatever you, like, I had a, a issue in business that my team don't really know last week that we had to deal with. Um, and I dealt with it. You know, it was a big financial dealing mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't prepared for, but I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The moment that got taken away, five times activated.
0: Uh, yeah. I was like, what the
1: fuck? <laughs> but that chunk that I had to learn yeah. changed podcast space plus business model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit, you got me again, God! Like, like <laughs> why you keep tricking me like this? Like, and and it's just trusting the process. But I wanna, I wanna put something in the universe, and it's now between us. It's not public yet. My yeah, goal is yeah, to yeah. make it take care of it before it get or edit this whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to find out how we could build a partnership in creating a podcast on. Damn, I had the title when you said it. Your story is... Oh, the most important... The most powerful... It was something based on storytelling. And I I don't know how it could come together. I don't know if it's telling other people's story or if it's a, a podcast of you telling your story, mm. but in video form. Because I think people... I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, said, and I just had it, but I know God will give it back to me. Yeah. Um. But I have the tools
0: Yeah
1: And you have the tools yeah, yeah, yeah But I truly believe Your storytelling Is gonna open up Doors That nothing else Have ever opened for you mm-hmm. Because it's an art form for you Yeah no doubt I know people will sit And watch your storytelling Like <laughs> Because I'm, yeah. I'm part of this interview right, And I right, was right, watching right, right, it Yeah, yeah. yeah well i was having kind of a conversation with yeah, you yeah 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 so if you're doing it or not but i want to be part of it um listen we'll make it
0: happen i am
1: um, i don't know it was i'm a, when i re, when i watch this when we're editing it out i'm gonna find out what it is and i'm gonna speak with you about it we're gonna have lunch on that meeting yeah i truly believe because i know where podcast is clearly going mm-hmm. video podcasting especially And I truly believe there's something about a piece that you said that locked in. I was like, this is a show. Mm. And I think you're the most important part of it because of your skill in storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I believe that will earn another capacity. Like we can't even count. yeah, Because we know where the plan is going. And just having it prepared... I can't unsee Gillian Waller hundred million dollar deal. I say this all the time. Yeah, I
0: saw. that. I saw that. I, saw I can't that, unsee. Yeah. How could you unsee it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah These yeah. brothers,
1: three years, hundred million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and uh, your storytelling hits different. Yeah, and
0: well, I appreciate that. I um, again, yeah. it's just continuing to be a good steward of it. Um, oh, I can't wait to watch this again to find out what it was. No, it's it's. The Bible uh, says your gift will make room for you, right? And you had asked me a question. I don't know if I ever answered it, but you asked me, like, this wasn't always about money for me. It still isn't really. But I uh, I truly try to lean on, I lean on if I do my part, God will do his part, right? And I just, I understand Over and over Did it it come to you Is that why you made that face It came to you No that was another one I think I just created Something
1: else in my
0: head But keep going The more you master your craft Is just Again I'm not And I don't want to Give off the impression That all of this is easy Or anything like that Or it it has been easy You
1: haven't given me that At all It's uh, It has been a You took a
0: bus To Washington
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're Talking about It was easy Nobody believes it was easy Jude, you're the only one that can took a bus to watch. At that point, everybody knew this guy's crazy. Yeah. You know, but I leave, leave, leave us out with um, you know, how they can follow you, how to get back, you know, to learn more about you. Yeah. Of course, we'll be doing something soon. Yes. But leave them with all that, please.
0: Uh, best place to connect with me is on our website, judecharles.co. Um, that's where you can find out everything. There's the book. I have a journal, story bank journal. Um, the other podcast, if you want to listen to other podcasts that I've been featured on, JudeCharles.co. That's that houses everything. Anything next I need to be prepared for? The private equity company. I don't know when. I haven't like created the plan as to when I'll start it. But so what Reginald F. Lewis did specifically was leveraged buyouts. He would buy companies and sell it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Buy companies, grow them, and sell it. Uh, I'm still learning that process, but that's what's next. Nice. It's it's. I'll give you the bigger vision towards that. I would like to do leadership trainings around storytelling, right? Yeah. The leverage buyouts and running this private equity company is just a way to make money. But when I buy these companies is training up the leadership team, the executive team with these leadership retreats. Um, Off camera. I can't wait to talk to you about something. <laughs> but, uh, so that's what's next. That's the that's the big plan. That's what I'm going into next. That I'm preparing for. I'm still doing video production now. Um, still, ha- I have two big projects that's wrapping up this year. At the end of this year. Um, but yeah, that's that's just what's next right now. Well, my brother,
1: I needed this. I'm sorry, I didn't care what they got, <laughs> but I needed this conversation. A yeah. um, lot more to come. I feel good. This this gave me a lot, and hopefully. Uh, I know it gave every night, but hopefully, I know you gave it big value. Mm-hmm. See you next time, brother. Thank you. Peace.